I think it's great if you can talk to your partner about the emotions that you are having or that they may be having. Even if they're difficult to hear, you can try to hold space for them, but not necessarily internalize the emotions that are coming at you or vice versa. Well, you may be one in the the one in the situation of feeling like, okay, I'm having a lot of anxiety about this relationship, but your partner may be the one doing that. And that may be a little scary to you, but if you can get in a place where you don't necessarily sit there and internalize their anxiety, but rather just work through it together, I think that's the ideal place to be in. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about relationship doubts. We just finished the holidays, it's the start of a new year, and this is a time when it's not uncommon to be asking some questions about your relationship and wondering, you know, how do I feel about this? How do I want to proceed? What are my thoughts about another year? Can I make it to Valentine's Day? And I recently... Uh Ooh, that's the next gauntlet to to go through. Yeah. Yeah. And and a lot of people ask this question, is it normal to be having doubts about my relationship? If I'm having doubts, does that mean that something's wrong? I found out recently that this is one of the most searched relationship questions online in general. And so today we're going to be exploring that topic of, is it normal to have doubts? Why do we have doubts in our relationships? And then importantly, how do we tell the difference between relationship doubts that are just coming from our own insecurities and relationship doubts that are signs that there is something more serious wrong here that either needs to be fixed or maybe this is not a relationship we should be in. So let's let's start off with the first part of it, which is just what's the scope of what we're talking about today? So relationship doubts, I would just say first anecdotally, before we even get into any statistics, that it feels pretty relatable to have some anxiety about relationships or some doubts sometimes, I'd say especially in the first few years of a relationship. What do you two well, experience with that? It makes me think of on a meta level, something that I have noticed with the clients that I work with is particularly working with a lot of like millennials who are now in their 30s, you know, mid 30s or so approaching early 40s where entering into a new relationship at that life stage feels very different to a lot of people compared to when they're in their 20s, right? That Mm. a lot of people when they're in their teen years, early 20s, it's kind of like, whatever, you're hot. I'll toss myself into a relationship with you. Sure, cool. And then, you know, we get burned (laughs) and we develop those really important life lessons about relationships. And then when you're trying to get back out there, trying to date again, then people find themselves really plagued with doubt, sometimes even before relationships even begin. Mm. And so that's what it makes me think of as I sometimes I think this can be attached to life stage for some people or after you've been 
burned already a few times or have had your heart broken a few times that that can cause a lot of doubts to come up. This reminded me of more of the monogamous centric culture idea of if you have doubts about a relationship, it means maybe it's not the right one. I think that a lot of people will Mm. go there and say like, well, if I'm thinking about another person or I'm wondering if this person is really right for me, then it doesn't mean that this person is the one. So, yeah, I I think right away I want to throw out there, no, it's normal to have doubts and it doesn't necessarily mean that your relationship is not a good one for you, but it's normal to have doubts in general just because we're all ever-changing and evolving, and that's probably something that we're going to go through. I know um, the one of the people that I'm working with right now, she is constantly looking at audition notices uh, for jobs that potentially would take her you know, overseas for a while or on a cruise ship, for instance, for six months. And her relationship is pretty new. It only started last April. So, you know, it's less than a year old. And she's like, well, I don't know if my partner would be interested, would would be okay with me leaving for that amount of time. Mm -hmm. And so I think those types of doubts are really understandable as well. You kind of have to weigh, do I want a big potential job opportunity versus maybe being away from a loved one for that amount of time. Sure. I mean, all that sounds pretty normal and understandable to me. I do think that when we're early in relationship, it's pretty normal to have doubts around, ooh, do they feel the same as me? I think that some people, I feel like we've even read some research studies where that's how they've codified like NRE you know, that a piece of NRE is like anxiety about, do they feel the same? Do they reciprocate? Oh my gosh, I don't know yet Mm. because we're not close enough yet or I haven't talked to them about it yet. So I do think that's normal, but I think that that also can extend into an ongoing relationship, right? That you can go through periods of, do they feel the same as I do? Are they as committed as I am? Do they, I don't know, do they also think romantic thoughts about me? Like I still think about them. Like, Do they still find me attractive? Do they still find me Mm. sexy? Are they always going to feel that same way? I think that's pretty normal to have that cross through your brain at least once or twice at the bare, bare minimum over the course of a relationship. Sure, of course. So why are we talking about this? Let's actually look into some, some stits and stats about doubts and some ways to evaluate if these are normal or they're just fears. So let's start out by looking at some stits and stats about how common is this? How normal is it to experience these kinds of doubts? We looked at some studies to try to determine how normal all of this is. And according to a study conducted by Dr. Pauline Clance, uh, she specifically studies high-achieving women and their levels of anxiety, and she found that 7 out of 10 individuals experience relationship doubt at some point. I think, yeah, if she's specifically looking at a high-achieving women, that makes sense. There's a lot of a lot of potential anxiety <laughs> and also just questioning involved in, am I doing everything exactly as correctly as I could be at this particular time, including choosing a partner? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this the the larger study as a whole was called oh, the imposter yeah. phenomenon. Oh yeah, it all makes sense. So it's very wow. much about, and we've talked, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. 
We've talked about imposter syndrome before more generally, but that is interesting that it showed up too in, in these relationship doubts of, oh, maybe I'm not good enough or I don't yeah. know what I'm doing enough or I'm not a good enough partner or, the, or I can't make relationship work or all those sorts of questions that I can would come up. Think, so good to have her confirm that for Yeah, us. I would think with these high achieving women that they would be looking at their partners and saying, are they not good enough for me or are they the person that I mm-hmm. want to be spending time with? But that's an interesting, you know, to flip that on its head and say, no, the imposter syndrome part of that might also be what people are are potentially worried about or doubting. But it also makes sense that we have so many cultural stories around the man is the one who should be the high achiever and the woman is the one who should kind yeah. of just pick up the rest of the slack or whatever. And so I could see that just being stuck in this really intense cultural stream that is trying to tell you, oh, like if your male partner, for instance is just a house husband, you know, or a stay at home Mm -hmm. dad, or if he doesn't make as much money as you, that must mean there's something wrong with him. Right. You know, even though maybe that works out perfectly fine in your relationship. So I could see that causing doubt as well. So yeah, I I think that we can all agree that the majority of people have had some sort of anxiety, some sort of doubt about their relationships, that it's natural to be asking questions about our partnerships, asking questions about the longevity of our relationship. I do think that this is often why many people seek marriage or the security of monogamy. That's not the only reason why by any means, but I do think that sometimes when we feel that relationship anxiety or feel that pressure or feel that sense of, and sometimes this is pressure that is put on us of you got to get this person to commit you know, you you gotta, if you like it, you should have put a ring on it, right? It's like all these messages that are like, you need to find a way mm-hmm. to nail this one down. Even though, as we've seen time and time again, monogamy and marriage in and of itself are not these magic pills that just eliminate all relationship doubts or insecurities. Absolutely. And yeah, I think this can translate in a variety of ways also, you know, becoming pregnant, for instance. I have a friend who has been toying back and forth with, should I get pregnant for a second time or should I not? Is this really something that I want in my life or is it not? And ultimately, I guess she decided yes, because now she's pregnant again. Well, but it's really her. interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's interesting. Like These doubts can just extend in so many different areas of our lives, not just the who we're in relationships with, but then ultimately what that relationship looks like and how it changes the trajectory and course of one's life as well in really big ways. Another thing to consider with doubts is, you know, what what might be going on in our lives. And so another thing to look at is that these types of doubts can be more frequent or more common at certain times. So when there are big relationship changes, such as making the decision to get married or have a kid or move in together or move move to a different city together or you know any kind of big life change that that and I think rightly so can spark this I'm going to really explore my doubts and make sure that I want to commit to this kind of bigger commitment decision. So that's another thing to keep in mind too, is that this can can fluctuate based on what's going on in your life, in the general circumstances, what kind of decisions you're making, things you're thinking about doing. Um, and then also that, as we always say on this show, 
there's not this clear, oh, this is common, so just don't worry about it. Or, oh, this is always a bad sign. That our emotions, these feelings of doubt, are indicators that there's something going on for us emotionally. And what we have to do then is explore what's that coming from? What might this be telling us? So I do want to be clear that we're talking about these relationship, you know, these relationship doubts are common, but that doesn't mean that they're a bad thing or that they should be ignored, that this is something worth exploring and getting to understand yourself a little bit better through it. Because it also might be a sign that something is wrong, right? So there's a whole range of things that can be caught up in these doubts. So with that, let's transition into not just talking about is this common or not, but what causes it? You know, What were we able to find about the things that can cause these doubts to come up uh, and some of the research that's been done around that? So Dr. Alicia Powell discussed the underlying sources behind our doubts and insecurities in relationships, and they discuss things like emotional neglect or abuse, which might cause low self-esteem or low self-worth due to past trauma. I think, again, these are more on the extreme ends of why a person may be doubting a relationship or doubting their validity in a relationship, perhaps. Also, things like attachment difficulties stemming from relationships with your parents or your caregivers at a young age. We talk a lot about attachment theory on this show, and that can show up. I think, in our doubts as well, and sort of be the catalyst or the reasoning behind why we have some of these doubts. Yeah, I think the important thing to note with both of these is that she's pointing out that these come from experiences before our current relationship. Yes, that's a good point. So not kind of emotional neglect or abuse in this relationship. From our past, yes. And then similarly our attachment to our parents or maybe other partners in the past, that that can affect how our emotions are going to show up in this particular relationship, including. Yeah. So I've had many, many times in relationships where I, I felt as though what had happened in my past relationships would automatically mean that would happen again in my current relationship. And that doesn't necessarily (laughs) always occur. So I think it's always good for us to know that, each relationship is going to be very unique and different and somebody's bad behavior in their in a last relationship is not necessarily going to translate into this one, which is great, but that's hard to remember in your body and in your mind in the moment. But uh, along with what we just talked about, things like having parents who are significantly intrusive or disengaged, that can also cause doubt as well. And then just general anxiety that manifests as worry about relationships. We talked about anxiety before, but if you do have generalized anxiety, I think that causes potentially more anxiety about your relationship as well. The note about parents being intrusive or being kind of disengaged relates to attachment styles. And I think that's interesting, but it also made me think about something that she doesn't mention in this particular article which is this question of what did you experience your parents' relationship with each other to be? Mm, Yeah, Was it this kind of like, gosh, they were always miserable together. Why didn't they see that that was so bad? Or this like, why did they always cause problems when there weren't any? Or kind of whatever it was that we saw modeled for us. 
And I think this can show up with our friends and things as well, but it's especially influential early in life like that of any kind of adult role models that we had when we were growing up. In another article from Psychology Today uh, by Dr. Gary W. Lewandowski Jr., he discusses relationship doubts there as well, and specifically mentions imposter syndrome again, which is interesting since we looked at that other study that was looking at imposter syndrome. Uh, And in that, he talks about doubts may grow as our connection gets Mm -hmm. deeper, I think because the stakes are getting higher, right? Sort of like we talked about with moving or something like that. It's as we're making more commitment, we have this natural reaction to be like, I want to really make sure that this is the right thing to be doing. And so those doubts might actually increase over time. And then he says, this is a quote, however, it's important to realize that no relationship or relationship partner is perfect. Being more informed is a good thing because you get to know your real partner, blemishes Mm -hmm. and all. The sentiment here being that we might have some relationship questions or doubts come up and that if those are encouraging us to then try to really explore our partner and be like, what are you really like about these things? Understanding that they're all the answers might not be perfect, but we do want to know them. It's not just, oh, I should just brush that under the rug and just assume everything's fine. It's like, no, like let those doubts encourage you to explore and actually find out more about your partner and make sure that you understand them as well as you can. That's interesting. It it reminds me of, I think a lot of people can fall into this mindset again when dating. That's what I keep thinking of because I do think our culture really encourages a very perfectionistic approach to finding a partner, especially, I think, especially if you're very traditional coming from this, I got to find my soulmate, got to find the long-term marriage partner Exactly. sort of mindset that there is a lot more pressure on this person while maybe I can cognitively accept that no human being is perfect, but it's like they got to be perfect as far as checking every box that I have right? And if there's anything to the contrary or any hiccup, then that produces all these doubts. And then, you know, maybe I'm just like, oh, put that one. Um, I was going to say put that one in the trash. Not like you're putting human beings in the trash, but from a metaphorical (laughs) standpoint, you're swiping left, right? I'm still, mm, I see. I'm still shocked, especially with young people, how they have this idea in their mind of exactly what their relationship is going to look like, what the person is going to look like, how they're going to meet them, all of those types of things. I I just I've been around right, right. some younger people on this on my time in Hong Kong. Uh some of the princesses and and they on the bus will often talk about <laughs> their perfect meet cute, you know, situation. Well, they're and just scenario. ready for the Prince Charming, right? It makes I guess sense. So, I guess so. Yeah, but it, right. it's so well, fascinating. Well, can we clarify though? Yes, that it's you're around some Christ, some Christian young people in particular. That's true. Yes, because well, I think that and, tracks with what the what I grew up. Yeah, with. okay, that adds like a whole nother layer here. I think, but that's the question. Like, if you're if you're mm-hmm. questioning that, if you have those moments of doubt with that layer on top of it, I think that can be really challenging for some people because. I, and, and listen, I'm not Christian and never have been, so I don't know if that narrative is is something that's sort of within people who are Christian. But if you have doubts, then does that 
mean like, oh, this really isn't the one that you're supposed to be with? Like, you really shouldn't have these doubts? Well, let's take a two-hour tangent to to talk all about that because I got some things to say. Yes, I do think, first of all, being raised as an evangelical Christian, there's this narrative, especially from purity culture, Mm. where the cost is you don't have any sex. You keep yourself pure, right? So like no sex, no masturbation, no pornography, no impure thoughts, right? No, No physical affection before marriage. And the payoff for that, always the big prize that they tempt you with is like, God is going to send you your perfect partner. If you live according to what God wants what of you, and we're telling you what God wants of you is this baloney. extreme <laughs> it's purity, then he's going to send you your perfect... full of baloney. <laughs> he's going to send you your perfect partner, right? And so, yes, there is this very, very high standard of God's got it all figured out. And so I can't in my mind have this perfect fantasy of how it's going to go because God's orchestrating it. And that's exactly how it's going to be combined with what you're talking about, Emily, of if you are in a relationship as a Christian and are dating as a Christian and you have these doubts come in, I've often seen people that interpret that as like, "Mm, I think God is just telling me that you're not the partner for me. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like it's very easy to interpret it as like, oh, maybe this is actually God trying to tell me that this relationship is not the one. And so then I can be justified in breaking up with you because God told me to. I will say I've actually seen this happen very often the other way, oh. too, where it's I'm having doubts, but that's just a lack of faith mm. or sort yeah, of a weakness too. on my part. Because because of whatever's happened before was enough for me to think this is the one somehow I've seen whatever I interpreted as a sign to say, this is the one. And so now any doubts I experience are my fault. They're my failure of faith in God or this relationship or whatever. What I want to say with all of this though, because as we're talking about it, we're talking about, you know, Dedeker's and my Christian upbringings and the things we saw around us and did ourselves. I definitely did all those things a lot uh, on, on all the Mm -hmm. sides of that. Uh, But these are not unique to, Christians. I think it, it in certain, you know, sects, I want to say, you know, certain denominations, certain areas of Christianity, those messages really get drilled home. That's not true in all of them. But also these messages are all around us in other places. Like, you know, we mentioned the Disney princesses mm-hmm. and the Prince Charmings earlier. It's the same kind of messaging, right? Of there's something magical and no matter what hardships come up along the way, you know, even if they're a beast who's pretty abusive to us, eventually, if we just have faith and keep being nice, then we'll have our true love get and our prince, prince Charming. Yeah. Right, right. Right. So it's like these messages are everywhere. This is not unique to Christianity at all, really. I think it can sometimes amplify it, but we all get inundated with these ideas about how relationships should work and kind of what what parts we actually are supposed to have an active role in versus what kind of supposed to happen to us and what parts should be magical versus what parts actually take work and effort. So some of those, I think that's something that can definitely happen for younger people, especially just because they haven't had enough experiences to start questioning that unless they are someone hopefully like you listener of this show who does think more critically about your relationships and understands that this is something important to think about, and it doesn't just happen magically. So all like you Disney, Disney princesses movie. listening out there, we see you. We're here for you. Let's get back to some research, shall we? Great. Yeah. 
So this this last note that we want to acknowledge is talking about the intersection of relationship anxiety, relationship doubts, and obsessive thoughts, and maybe even obsessive compulsive tendencies. So the School of Psychology Interdisciplinary Center performed two separate studies to investigate whether um, they were specifically looking at the co-occurrence of attachment anxiety and an over-reliance on intimate relationships for self-worth. They called that, quote, double relationship vulnerability, which I'm just like, whoof, gosh, I don't know if I like thinking about it in that way, but I can see why they label it that way. So they're basically seeing you know, how that was linked with relationship-centered obsessions or obsessive-compulsive tendencies. So their first study showed that there is a correlation between codependency, avoidant or anxious attachment styles, and having relationship doubts that interfere with the relationship. Again, as a reminder, a correlation, not necessarily a causation. We don't know which of these factors is influencing the other, but they did find a correlation. And then in the second study, they found that there was an increased amount of doubts when a partner is faced with uncertainty or a perceived threat in a relationship. With that, that just makes sense. You know, that's one of those where I'm like, yeah. why did you have to study that? But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, in some cases, people can develop what I, I think relatively newly termed as ROCD or relationship obsessive compulsive disorder. And so, you know, the way that this shows up is again, like it kind of overlaps with what we think of as quote unquote, you know, normal presentations of obsessive compulsive disorder. So, but it's often through this filter of like relationship needs. So like an extreme need for reassurance. What the researchers list is examples like, uh, you know, needing reassurance, but sometimes seeking it in unhealthy ways, like constantly testing your partner or testing your partner's intelligence constantly seeking external input from friends or family on the relationship, uh, the person over-monitoring their own feelings, and this was interesting, um, or correcting their partner to fit their needs, What is which I, I thought it was... Yeah, to me, it sounds kind of like I constantly need to be like really maybe even perfectionistically kind of hemming in my partner or adjusting their behavior or like making all these kind of maybe even criticisms or requests to make sure that they fit this very precise little box. Yeah. I can see some of this behavior actually being glorified and showing up sometimes in relationship advice of that, you know, advocating for your needs is a good thing, but sometimes calling something a need can be used in a manipulative way to say, well, this isn't on me to negotiate. This is my need. And so I need you to change your behavior or these various aspects to try to meet that. And it's that tough thing of, right, that isn't inherently wrong in itself. But I do see that sometimes being relied on overly much and could be varying into this this area of being controlling or trying to right, like correct your partner or turn them into what you think you want you see them to that be. trope and it just makes uh, me wait, sorry you just you see that trope a lot in media uh, like the the overbearing mm. i guess yes. wife potentially that is it changing her husband or nagging her husband or you know even nagging the kids like trying to 
make everyone into the mold of the perfect thing that they want. That's a question. As far as media tropes go, do you think we mostly see this applied to women yeah. as being the relationship OCD ones? Absolutely. That's interesting. Absolutely. I mean, not yeah. surprising, well, and, but um, interesting. Unfortunately. It just makes me think of the song from Bye Bye Birdie, mm. How Lovely to Be a Woman. You familiar no. with that one? I don't know the, the show very the, well. The main refrain is, it's how lovely to be a woman and have one job to do. To find a boy and train him, and then when you are through, okay, I already hate where this is going. You wanted it's like that's Yikes. the whole plot of that entire song is this high school girl singing about that's your job is to find a boy, but then you have to mold him into the actual man that yeah. you want him to be. That's cool. Subtly right manipulate there. him. Right there. It's been in our culture for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me just put a button on this. So as far as yes. like actual, I think, formally diagnosed relationship obsessive compulsive disorder, this is something that can exist on its own or it can appear alongside regular OCD as well. And so good news is, is that kind of the similar treatments for OCD, you know, also work for relationship OCD. So things like cognitive behavioral therapy, group therapy can be beneficial. I just want to end off, of course, with the caveat that if we're just looking at behaviors, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's unhealthy or that it's OCD or things like that. You know, these all, like so many things in life, these all fall on a spectrum. Absolutely. So before we go on to looking at some tools and some things to investigate to help us determine are these relationship doubts something worth being concerned about? Or is this something that's okay to just process for ourselves? Before we get to that, we're going to take a quick break to talk about some of the ways that you can support this show. If you value this content and love the fact that we're able to put this out there into the world for free, one of the ways that we can do that is by having some advertisers on this show. So it really does help us a lot if you take the time to listen to them. And if any seem interesting, if you like our promos, go check them out. It does directly financially support this show if you do. And we will see you after this break. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself... What is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners you can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com adammail.com or evestoys.com and select any one item it can be you know an adventurous new toy or anything you desire something fun something sexy whatever sounds good 
So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. And we're back. So with all of these things that we've talked about, as always, we want to provide you with some actionable takeaways and try to answer the question, what can we do about this anxiety? What can we do about these doubts regarding our partners, ourselves, things along those lines? In our relationships, it's totally understandable to have doubts, as we said. And it's really important to hold individuality within a relationship You can do things like learn healthy boundaries and try to, you know, negotiate those for yourself and for your partner. I think it's great if you can talk to your partner about the emotions that you are having or that they may be having. Even if they're difficult to hear, you can try to hold space for them, but not necessarily internalize the emotions that are coming at you or vice versa. Well, you may be one in the the one in the situation of feeling like, okay, I'm having a lot of anxiety about this relationship, but your partner may be the one doing that. And that may be a little scary to you. But if you can get in a place where you don't necessarily sit there and internalize their anxiety, but rather just work through it together, I think that's the ideal place to be in in this scenario. I, I think. That's such a good point, Emily, because we've been talking about, yeah, it's normal for you to have relationship doubts. And we haven't really acknowledged that other half of it you just mentioned, which is it's also normal for your partner yeah, to have relationship doubts. <laughs> and just because they're having them, not, not internalizing that, right? It doesn't mean, oh, no, something's wrong with me, or oh, I'm bad, or oh, they're going to break up with me, or oh, it means they don't love me, that, that it would be easy to go to that place if you also forget on the other side that it's normal for them too. So that's, I think that's a really good point. And I'd also love to give a quick plug right there for radar. our relationship check-in radar. In terms of, like, one of the things I really appreciate about it is that it gives mm-hmm. you that space, right? It's We have this dedicated time set aside that's not in response to, we just had a fight, let's sit down and talk, or I'm upset, we need to talk right now, but it's because it's regular there's more of that sense of, okay, yeah, we're, we're here to check in, good or bad, all the stuff in between, at least for me and from a lot of people I've heard from, helps give a little bit more of that separation. It's not, oh, no, we're talking, so it must mm-hmm. be a problem or something bad's going to happen. It's because we do it more regularly. It's, okay, yeah, this is the time when we get to talk about these things in, in a more neutral way, I guess, than we would if it got sprung on us out of nowhere. And remember that we live in a culture where there are pretty high expectations set on most aspects of our lives, including our relationships. And I think our relationship to social media doesn't help this when we're just constantly bombarded with the, you know, curated, perfectly manicured examples of everybody else's lives and relationships being performed for us all the time. So. Mm -hmm. You know, examine if you have 
you know, maybe you do have some unmet expectations or you could be influenced by some sort of external source to imagine how your relationship should look. You know, I think it can be good to sit down and kind of take a little bit of an inventory of when you think about your ideal relationship, where does that idea come from? What or who in my life is reinforcing that that's a good thing or that that's a bad thing, right? Like when I think about an ideal relationship, who is the first image that comes into my Mm. mind? Is it my parents? Is it this particular friend? Is it this one social media influencer who's, you know, performing their relationship in this really perfect way all the time, right? mm. I think that that can be really valuable exercise. Yeah, that's a, oof, boy. It's a really interesting (laughs) one. Yeah, for sure. So there's an article on Medium called The Relationship Doubts You Should Never Ignore by E.B. Johnsons. And, you know, she wrote a bunch of things, but some of the ones that I actually thought were a really nice way to look at, I'm having these doubts, how serious do I need to take these? Um, you know, what's what's really going on here? So one, she just mentions, you know, talking about what you both want for the future. If the other person is totally unwilling to talk about that. Maybe that's something worth considering. But, you know, having those conversations more regularly is good. Similarly, understanding each other's personal values, you know, what matters to them, what matters to you, kind of similar to the future thing, right? It's what do we value? What's actually important to us? And these aren't necessarily to say the person is bad if they think different things than you, but just to help avoid some of that mismatched expectations that can come up. But then the thing she hit on that I really liked was when you have these doubts come up, to think about what is the source of the doubt. So one question is, was there an external situation that sparked this doubt, or did it seemingly come out of nowhere? So, you know, was there actually something my partner did that made me start having this doubt, or something I noticed Or maybe there was something external that happened in my life, like a friend got divorced, and now it's making me think about these things. Or they got married, and now it's making me think about these things. I think that happens pretty commonly. Totally. That's a yeah. That's probably even a more common one. It's like, oh, my friend got married. Why am I I not married? Yeah, (laughs) you know what's Mm -hmm. right, right. So asking those questions of where did like was there an external source of this doubt, and then evaluating how might that have affected what I'm thinking about. Second is, is this related to some kind of previous trauma, right? So did I have some kind of traumatic experience in a previous relationship? And that can be capital T trauma or lowercase t trauma, just a a bad breakup or, you know, getting your feelings hurt or something like that, that, you know, is there something, is this related to some other experience I've had? And maybe that's influencing my thoughts here. So again, just Asking questions is not saying one or the other answer is the right or wrong one. And then this question of, do you feel secure in the relationship? And it's such a simple question, but I do think it's one worth exploring of, do I feel secure? And that can look a lot of different ways, right? Of, do I feel secure that this relationship will last forever is where people go with it. But I think the question is more than just that. It's, do I feel secure in that my partner will be honest with me and not blindside me with stuff? Do I feel secure that my partner will support me when I need them to, you know, emotionally support me when I need them to? Do I feel secure 
in terms of just being safe and being listened to and not just you know, interrupted all the time or my opinions being overridden all of the time in this relationship, that I would say those are the bigger questions because you could have a great relationship that doesn't last forever, but that's very secure and you know that, that it was still a really healthy experience along the way. So just to kind of twist that question a little bit and look at it a little differently from how I think we normally might go to. Dr. Alicia Powell, and we spoke of her work earlier, suggests trying the following steps to address relationship doubts, and they are go to therapy, seek professional guidance. This one's huge because I think having that objective Mm -hmm. person that just is able to look at everything and give you advice or even just kind of mirror back your own thoughts and emotions to you, I think that's really, really helpful. Also, build deeper trusting relationships with your community to help with security. I love this one because I think so many people have doubts about their relationship and don't feel as though they can leave because it helps them financially in a lot of ways or it helps them just overall feel secure as an individual and, and, you know, they feel trapped potentially in their relationship. Well, the the self-worth thing we mentioned earlier, that we can tie a lot of our self-worth to our relationship status. So even if it's not Mm -hmm. monetary, it could be Yeah, that too. Absolutely. But I think if you have a community around you, and that can mean a chosen community, it can mean chosen family, or even actual family that are blood relatives to you, things along, along those lines, all of that can really help make you feel more secure in a variety of ways so that you're not just tied only to one person and that's your only sense of security. I think that's really, really huge. And so if you don't have that necessary feeling of like, well, this person is making me feel secure, maybe you can more objectively look at the situation in general. I, I love that idea. Also, address conflict or unresolved differences see if that helps address relationship doubts and then also know a plug yes. for our oh love that yeah right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> resolving some unresolved totally. differences and addressing past and seeing, conflicts to make sure those can yeah get and also checking out what things can't be resolved and kind of what that means for the relationship mm-hmm. as well and then also know finally yeah. that our feelings are valid but they're not always facts that is a big one often We have really intense emotions and really intense feelings, but then maybe a day later we realize, you know what, I I don't necessarily need to act upon those really intense emotions. And so give yourself some time to process and calm down physiologically. And I really like this distinction that was made by therapist Dr. Sherry Jacobson. She says that she kind of creates this dividing line between healthy doubts and what she calls red flag doubts. Mm -hmm. And so she says that healthy doubts tend to be, you know, questioning or evaluating the relationship itself. So evaluating, is it working for me? Is this the right type of relationship for me? Do we want the same kind of future together? If that's, if that's a conversation we're having in our relationship, do we share some of the same values? But in contrast, red flag doubts tend to be more about the other person's actions and behaviors. 
and that these can be distinguished because they often will come with factual evidence if you consider them further, which I think is an interesting way of thinking about it. So for some examples of these red flag doubts, she includes, you know, my partner constantly refuses to communicate with me Mm -hmm. where they're going or communicate with me what their plans are. Uh, Maybe my partner is not open and honest with me about them seeing other people. And I think that can apply whether you're in a monogamous or a non-monogamous relationship, or if you're just starting out or whatever, you know, if my partner's, essentially my partner's being dodgy in some way or dishonest consistently. Um, Of course, you know, maybe my partner has physically hurt me or my partner says negative things about me or about my family or about my friends or my partner disregards my boundaries. So they show up when they're not invited. They touch me when I tell them not to, things like that. So yeah, I think that's an interesting rubric to think about is like, are you having doubts actually based on a partner's behavior or are your doubts in this camp of just evaluating the relationship itself? And I think with those healthy doubts, it doesn't necessarily mean that you disregard all those and they're not important. Mm. You know, you may still have those healthy doubts and realize actually this isn't the relationship for me. And then that enables you to then make a healthy choice of not being in the relationship. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So to look at some of this and, and summarize the, basically the first place to start is examining those doubts. So we've talked about some of those tools of, you know, is this a red flag doubt or is this a normal healthy doubt? Is this caused by some external factor or is it maybe related to something in my own past or some thing that's happened outside of my relationship that's bringing this up for me? Evaluating that, journaling is always a nice go-to of just kind of word dumping out all of that stuff to get the thoughts out of your head and onto paper. Uh, And also, if you're able to, seeking some kind of professional support from a therapist or a counselor or a coach is really important. One thing I did want to throw in there related to what Dedeker was talking about is when it comes to therapy or counseling or coaching, if it's in the camp of these healthy doubts, that would be something that's a good candidate for seeing someone together, some kind of a couple's counselor, couple's therapist, or seeing a coach together as a couple to just help facilitate you to talking about those things and understanding how we feel about this relationship. Is this right for both of us? If you think at all that this might be the red flag type doubts, this is not the time for couples counseling. This is, you need to see someone and evaluate this on your own because those kinds of red flag situations can actually be made worse by couples therapy sometimes. It gives the the person doing the red flag things more tools for justifying their behavior. So that would be one little word of caution there is therapy and counseling and coaching is great, but evaluate which avenue is the best for that. Is this something you should do on your own to evaluate what you should do? And are these red flags real? Or is this just us together figuring out how best we make this relationship work? So from that evaluation, kind of assess and take a look at the reality of your relationship. Just, you know, like Jay said, are there behaviors that are causing that doubt? Or is it more of an internal thing within you that, you know, you need to address in a different way, like seeing a therapist or just going, doing some inner work in some way? So I think that's really important. And then, you know, also assess your inner world, like your mental health, any insecurities, and allow space for being human, for understanding, yeah, this is 
This is just me. This is who I am. Often I'm going to have moments of anxiety and doubt, and that's really okay. And this last note, I think, is, you know, a special note for our folks who are non-monogamous or relationship anarchist or maybe a little bit more relationship fluid that it's okay to step outside the binary of this is my soulmate or it's not my soulmate, Mm -hmm. right? This relationship is going to work or it's not going to work. And you can collaborate with your partner to develop a relationship that is unique and feels good to the both of you, right? So I think that's the one where if you found, oh, most of my doubts around this relationship are because of external expectations or because it doesn't quite fit the mainstream model or someone is telling me, oh, no, you know, a a real loving partner would be monogamous or something like that, right? That it's okay for the two of you to define the terms of your relationship and realize the unique shape that will take that will help both of you feel happy and secure. And then that's a-okay. Thank you everybody for taking this journey with us, especially as you're beginning your year and you're thinking about your relationships and evaluating things. It's just so important to spend some time really thinking about this stuff. And, And I hope that this was helpful for all of you. And we would also like to hear from you. On our Instagram story, we will be posting our question of the week, which is, how do you know when to listen to relationship doubts and when to ignore them? In addition, the best place to share your thoughts and discuss more with other listeners is in the episode discussion channel on our Discord server, or you can post uh, in our private Facebook group. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Multiamory is created and produced by Dedeker Winston, Emily Matlack, and me, Jace Lindgren. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowark and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. Hey, I'm Sunny Megatron from American Sex, a podcast about life, liberty, and the pursuit of fuck. Ooh, that's kind of a trashy first impression, isn't it? I'm so sorry. Okay. <clears throat> On American Sex, Ken Melvoinberg and I explore our guests' deepest, darkest sexual secrets, hang-ups, fantasies, and victories. Each episode reminds us that in this fine country of ours, no matter our differences, we all want and deserve the same things. Freedom and happiness and f- Find American Sex on iTunes, Stitcher, and most podcast services or at AmericanSexPodcast.com.